0: Hello, and welcome to the Take It In Stride podcast. I am your host, Adrian Jezik. I have a big announcement today. I am changing the name of this podcast. It is now going to be called the Morozko Method. The reason that I decided on this name change is because it is the name of the coaching method that I developed in order to help myself get into the cold. And I have since used this method to guide and coach many, many others through the cold and through their cold experiences. But the Morozko Method means more than just a guided coaching session. The Morozko Method is an all-encompassing way of life. It is a way of life that I have embraced for my own health and sanity. It is focused on overall well-being. It is focused on growth through discomfort, anti-fragility, ways that we can forge ourselves stress ourselves to gain what we're looking for which is health vitality emotional regulation these are the things that i'm looking for and i realized throughout these interviews with all of you that that is what this is the morotsko method is more than just talking about the cold more than just our practice with the cold it is what we eat, it's how we live, it's how we associate, it's our personal energy, and it's the challenges that we face, and it's the way that we address them. So I've invited back a very special guest to me today in order to share this conversation about what the Moritzko Method means to us, Jason Stoffer, Welcome to the Moritzko Method podcast.
1: Oh, thanks. Good to be here.
0: Happy to have you. Love that you are my first guest and my first second guest so that's that's kind of monumentous for me. Thank you. What does the Morozko method mean to you?
1: Did we talk about like the actual like where Morozko comes from last time? I can't remember. I think
0: it's a great idea to refresh my listeners brains with what Morozko means.
1: right. So Morozko is actually a, a fairy tale it comes out of the Russian kind of tradition uh, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's, an, it's a wicked stepmother fairy tale. So it goes, there's this beautiful little girl, lives in the middle of the forest with her father, her wicked stepmother, and her nasty stepsister.
0: You're talking about Nastia. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's
0: the name of the girl that's in the, the story. The name of
1: the girl. Um, and so uh, the stepmother and the stepsister, they don't like the little girl very much. Uh, they're very jealous of her um, because her father loves her very much, and she's very beautiful, and she has a very long braid. Uh, somehow, this must have been an awkward conversation, uh, stepmother uh, convinces uh, father to take the girl out into the middle of the forest and leave her there for dead. Uh, and so, uh, for some reason, he actually complies with this. And so he takes her out in the middle of the forest, and uh, he, uh, he, leaves her, he leaves her there for dead. And uh, Morotko, which is Jack Frost, uh, Father Winter kind of uh, mythology, uh, is going around the forest and he's freezing things because that's what he does. He comes through the forest and he, he turns you know he snows up the trees and he freezes animals and he freezes the the creeks and everything like that. And he comes upon her and she's shivering and she's cold and she's you know freezing to death. And he's about to he's about to freeze her, but first he stops and he asks, "Are you warm, child?" And uh, the little girl answers him with stoicism and grace and says, "Yes, dear Moritiko, I'm warm enough." And so he doesn't freeze her, and instead uh, he takes her into his uh, his cottage, and he makes her a princess of the forest, and gives her all these jewels and all these rewards. Um, and so the news got back to uh, to stepmother that uh, not only is Nastya not dead, but Morozko has. Brought her in and given her all these jewels and made her a princess of the forest. And so she says, "I have a great idea. I will recreate this. I will take my own daughter out into the middle of the forest. I'll leave her there. Morozko will find her and will make her a princess of the forest and give her all these jewels and presents." So she drags her own daughter out in the middle of the forest, leaves her there. Morozko comes along and he says, "Are you warm, child?" But stepdaughter is not stoic. She's not graceful. She mouths off to him. Says, "No, I'm freezing my my butt off over here," and so he freezes her to death. And so the moral of the story um, was actually probably a mechanism to get children uh, to stop complaining about being cold. But the greater moral of the story is that if you can meet the cold with stoicism and grace, it will bestow great gifts upon you. And so that's where we take the name from, and that's uh, that, that influences the method because. Uh, the method, is when we're talking about the cold water immersion, the deliberate cold exposure part of the Meritico method, is uh, not just about getting into an ice bath, um, and not just about you know gritting your teeth and bearing it, or or uh, or or you know just jumping in and jumping right out, and and then kind of you know jumping up and down like ooh that was cold, that was cold, that was cold. Uh, it's a it's about. It's about enacting that emotional regulation in response to the cold. It's about not getting anxious before you get into the bath, because anxiety before you're even into the bath is just anxiety over a future moment that hasn't happened yet. Your mind is imagining future discomfort. And yes, it may be discomfort in the future, but it's not discomfort right now. And so we, we uh, work on our emotional regulation before getting into the cold, We get into the cold. We have whatever reaction we're going to have. uh, And then we don't get out until we're back in that calm state. And so the training here, the medicine here, is to teach us that we do have more control over our emotional state than we tend to believe that we do. And that it's really, not only is it unnecessary, but it's, it's it's not... I don't want to say wise i mean it's just it's unnecessary for us to to uh turn on uh stress or anxiety states over a future moment like we don't we don't have to freak out over a moment that hasn't happened yet like yes there's going to be sucky moments in life but worrying about them before they even happen is just it just robs us of our presence uh, so that's that's kind of the, an intro into the Marotsko method, how it ties into the mythology and um, and the story, and kind of where we where we jumped off from there.
0: I I appreciate that, and I want I want to take note of how we do not push through the cold. This is not a grin and bear it situation. This is not a endure it situation. This is finding a way to embrace discomfort for exponential growth, because the sooner you can get to embracing it, the sooner you can get to breathing through and finding your calm, despite the circumstances around you, that is the exponential growth. That is the anti-fragility. And so while while we're talking about the Morozko Method and while we're talking about Morotsko Forge, where does the Forge come from? Obviously, I know, but will you share it with the listeners? Where Forge, so we are Morozko Forge.
1: Yeah, Morozko is the, is the Russian mythology. And then forge has an interesting, um, it's an interesting word. It can mean a couple of different things. If we're talking in uh, the context of metalworking, it's going to be a very, very hot place uh, that's going to have uh, a furnace and it's going to have a crucible and it's going to have an anvil. It's going to have all these very hard uh, tools and objects. And the, the, uh, the purpose of a forge is, is to take raw material heat them up and pound them together until they become something stronger that's how we make steel um <clears throat> and so in that context it's interesting uh because we kind of do the same thing with our physiology only we do it with a cold where if i want to take you know peat iron and you know whatever the hell else goes into steel um i have to get it really hot and i have to pound on it uh, with a hammer and an anvil and put it through all these cooling processes to make steel but we want to forge our bodies we can't jump into a furnace like that's just we're not we're not minerals we're life we're we're flesh i mean we're all everything is made out out of atoms and chemistry but we're we're alive and so that's not the forging process for a human the forging process for a human um can be through the cold and it can be kind of that it's almost an analogous uh uh or, or uh, kind of interesting. They're opposites, but they're the same. And so by kind of uh, enacting these stress states and these discomforts and these neurotransmitter boosts and uh, those, the, just the uh, vasomotor constriction and the training of the epidermis, we are forging our physiology. We're, we're kind of pounding it and making it stronger. Now, there's another context to the word forge that's like forge ahead. That means you, you know you're you're forging ahead. You're going through something tough, um, and and you're persevering and you're coming out the other side. And I feel that that um, in any exponential growth process is also kind of very analogous and resonant with forge in that context, where you know things are going to get tough, things are going to get uncomfortable, um, and you're just going to forge ahead. Sometimes you don't know what's in front of you. Sometimes you forge ahead into, you know, the philosophical darkness. But um, uh, so in that respect, I think we've really captured forge on kind of the two biggest contexts of the word. And they both fold in, you know, pretty pretty well with our, our company and our culture and, and uh, our philosophy.
0: Yeah, because this isn't easy. This isn't, this is not the easy path. This is not saying, oh, I'm going to, find a way to avoid the hard work. This is the hardest work. This is the hardest work for breakfast. And it's a good thing I had hard work for breakfast because I'm in the middle of a fast right now. I'm on like hour 45 or 6. Oh, I'm on hour like 45, 48, 48 and a half. <laughs> I don't do the math here, mm-hmm. you guys. I leave the math to Jason and Tom. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of a fast right now. I had discomfort for breakfast. Like sometimes what it looks like is taking that thing that you're afraid of taking that thing you don't want to face and embracing it you can forge through something you can push ahead by finding a way to embrace what it is that you're going through because pain fear trauma any type of anxiety depression it's here for us it's here for us to listen to the message it's here for us to find the way through not out of not ignoring not walking away from but finding a way through and so I think part of forge too is is extreme temps both ways you know we may not be able to put ourselves in a furnace but we can get really really hot we can sit in an infrared sauna at 155 degrees and push ourselves in that way so I believe part of the magic of the way that we grow it's not strictly cold it's balance. So we push ourselves with the cold. We push ourselves with the heat. We push ourselves with fasting. We push ourselves with growth through discomfort. Right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and another another good way to think about it, especially in the, the you know temperature volatility context, is you know we live in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where Morozko Forge is based. It gets really freaking hot. And you know certainly we do run the air conditioner in the summertime, but. We try to do it less and we're outside a lot we're outside through the 115 degree heat you know we're sweating we're hot we're hydrating we're working uh we're in the workshop which is which is currently outside uh and we do yeah and just with the fasting you know um that's one way to forge our bodies uh and then also with our diet uh sometimes we adhere to a pretty kind of uh detailed diet we're into a lot of animal proteins and and Grass-fed fats and things like that, but sometimes I mean we're not purists about it. We'll get down on a cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah.
0: Don't take away the cheeseburger. Don't take away the pizza. Don't take away my dessert. You, know, you guys do not even mess around with my dessert. <laughs> I,
1: you know, we say we eat as much as we want of whatever we want whenever we want. The the key is to make sure that you're using intention and mindfulness to to manicure what you want. Right now, I'm eating nothing. I'm on like thirty hour thirty four of a fast. I'm eating nothing and i don't have to fight myself over that because right now i want to eat nothing and when i eat a cheeseburger i don't have to feel like i've i've gone off my diet or gosh i'm just such a i don't get down on myself and again that's with the being able to choose your emotional states and what you do and do not get uh, stressed out and anxious over uh, to a to a certain degree you know i don't guilt eat like if i'm if i'm getting down on a cheeseburger i'm getting down on a cheeseburger if i'm if I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, we've got a nice grass-fed steak that, you know, that I've, that we've got or, or whatever, um, I'm always eating what I want, you know, and I'm always eating as much as I want. And I'm always eating whenever I want, you change your mind about what you want. And that just makes everything so much easier when you can adopt that mentality. And yeah we're, we're not we're not purists um you know in in purity there's fragility because then you know we're just going the opposite direction if we had such a manicured diet and we kept you know the the top filters on all of our 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 you know air conditioners and like like Teslas have, like, medical-grade filters so that you can, like, survive a chemical attack for some freaking reason. But living in these pure environments is not good for us either because then that's just just a lack of exposure. You're right back to that lack of exposure that we experienced in the Industrial Revolution that started causing all of our chronic illnesses, the things that we're trying to work against.
0: So... So this is is all part of it, right? This is all part of the anti-fragility. The anti-fragility being um, the fasting and the pushing yourself that way. The anti-fragility basically meaning stress yourself to a point. Expose yourself to what you have access to expose yourself in a way that's not obviously going to kill you. I'm not saying, like, if you're allergic to shellfish and peanuts, go out and eat shellfish and peanuts. Like, that's not the message. The message is, for me... I'm allergic to everything that grows in Arizona, so, and that's not going to stop me from being outside. Like, definitely I took some time Sunday evening away from being outside, but I'd basically been outside for, for the past few days, like almost nonstop except for when I was sleeping. So I'm exposed, I'm exposed, I'm exposed. Still have to give my body time to rest, but I'm not going to stop exposure. I still got right up the next day and was out and about, you know, breathing that Phoenix air and I am no longer on any type of allergy medicine, so it's got to be doing something right. I'm not I'm not I'm not a sneezy snot and mess <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I don't leave a room without tissues for sure, but um, it's it's partly exposure and it is making sure that when you're going to have the cheeseburger, you have the good cheeseburger invest in the good go for the Kobe beef go for you know the bison like go for the good grass-fed meat cheeseburger go for the quality dairy that's come from the farm down the road like you guys we can find this here in Phoenix and that I think is it's it's access to is one of the reasons that we can eat the way that we do with the options that we have
1: I mean we eat in chain restaurants as well uh we're not purists even in in that regard either uh I for me and so much of what I do is so that I can just keep affording better food um you know if you ask me Jason why are you an entrepreneur there's a lot of reasons for that one of them so that I so I can afford better food uh you know we don't really we don't do the drive-throughs anymore. I mean, I did so many drive-throughs when I was in my twenties and in my teens. Like that was a restaurant. I Maybe mean, McDonald's was like going out yeah. to eat, and so you work and you learn some things. You're like, okay, I'm going to skip the drive-throughs. I'm going to go for the restaurants where I can like skip the bun and have like you know a, a, a lettuce wrap or whatever. Um, but then even that, like whatever level of of food. Uh, food quality a person is at. I think there's benefit in flipping the mentality of the, that we tend to have in our society of I need to minimize my food cost. Like what is cheapest? How do I get more for less? And that's solving the f- the food problem, the personal food problem from the wrong direction. It's coming from um, a scarcity mentality. It's coming from one where you, people are trying to minimize their costs They're trying to people are on a budget. People have large families. You know, you gotta you got everybody has to make these decisions. Uh, but no matter where you're at, I think it's powerful to flip the mindset and say, OK, what do I got to do to maximize my food cost? What do I got to do to like spend as much as I can on on as good of food as I possibly can? And once I'm to that step and, and I, whatever it is, whether it's whether it's meat, whether it's plants, whatever um, people, I think would be better off if they asked themselves, how can I increase my food budget? Because then you have to start problem solving. You have to start thinking, okay, well, what am I doing in my career? Like, uh, not everybody can afford, you know, seven grass-fed steaks a week. But how can I get to a place where I can afford one? And then how can I be in that place and get to a place where I can afford two? Not everybody can eat, um, you know, ethically, sustainably sourced plant food uh, a plant-based diet, but wherever someone's at, I think they should always be thinking, okay, how can I get to that little bit better level? How can I get to that little bit better level? And again, that goes into not feeling guilty about what we do eat, but just looking for those op- those opportunities to make better decisions.
0: Because this is part of just taking care of the body as a whole. We are what we eat. We are what we put into our bodies. The cells that we're making right here as we're sitting are developed from energy and what we're putting into our bodies so the cells that are developing on the inside of our bodies that in so many years from now end up on the surface of our skin and throughout our bodies as we grow and as we change that's going to show that's what it means by we are what we eat we are the energy that we are putting into our bodies and I think that's a lot of it's food but it's energy It's food, but it's intention. It's food, but it's a mindset of the way that you're going to treat yourself, which is just better. You're just, you're not going to be your own. I, these are the things that I've decided. I'm not going to be my own worst enemy. I am not going to be my harshest critic. Instead, I am now my greatest cheerleader. And it's not all the time. My God, seriously, this is a conversation that I have with myself throughout the day, every day, but I am my greatest support. Because that is part of that energy, too. That is part of choosing your food to choose your life, choosing your energy to choose your life, choosing your thoughts to choose life. Because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You know, and yesterday is already gone. So here we are right here in the moment. What can we do right now? What can you do for your body, for yourself, for your health right now? Is it uncomfortable? Well, that's probably a good sign you should do it. But you know, like a should. Jason says, don't should yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try not to use the word should.
0: There is um, more to it too than just like you said, you know, some of the reasons that you said you could come up with a dozen reasons why you would want to, why you're an entrepreneur. Can you share with me a little bit more about what makes you, no matter what, whether it was an ice bath, whether it's a solar tile, no matter what it is that you're doing, you're going to forge a new path. Why are you an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, I think a big part of it has to do with just my innate personality. I think, um, I think, uh, this goes into cognitive profiling and uh, our innate modus operandi, our, our method of operation, and the way that our society is structured. Um, it's, it's structured to be pretty relatively easily navigated um, by people of certain personality types. Um, and that's you know, people who uh, have organizational skills, who have research skills, uh, and that doesn't really describe me. Uh, and it doesn't describe a lot of entrepreneurs. It also doesn't describe a lot of uh, prison inmates and uh, and um, you know drug dealers. Um, so there's it seems to me that there's these. In the middle of the bell curve, you have a lot of fact-finder follow-throughs, and you have a lot of fact-finder follow-through systems. You have, you know, the the pathway to middle management. You have the pathway through um, a degree that looks very much like the degree that maybe your parents had or the education that your parents had. You, people tend to replace their parents in society and, and – And that's all very systematic. Yeah, that those two standard deviations from the mean um, are where you're going to get a lot of people with those research and organizational skills, and so our businesses, our companies, our industries tend to generally be um, more easily navigated. by people with these personality types now on the outliers um you have people who are more experimental they're risk takers and you know if you're a risk tanker in the entrepreneurial space then you're generally kind of following the laws and society accepts you even though sometimes you go bankrupt sometimes you lose it all whatever Uh, on the bottom end you still see the same kind of risk takers but because of mentality and opportunity they kind of go that 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 kind of uh, that kind of black market path, you know, a lot of crime, a lot of a lot of um, not legally sanctioned industries like drug dealing or, or you know, you know, black markets, you know, whatever. Um, I happen to be one of those like ten towards the black market <laughs>
0: <laughs> individuals, um,
1: which. Because I'm just like, I'm always like, well, but why is that the rule? But why do I have to But Well, yeah, but the, the laws are just for the standard deviation people. They're <laughs> not really, I mean, what's the reality here? And the reality is that, that society is stratified and, um, and uh, that laws do not apply to everyone uh, equally. Um, but finding, um, finding, finding <laughs> positive growth outlets. For individuals who are risk takers and who are innovative um, is is something that interests me and I happen to be one of those people and that so that's to me that's like the core philosophical reason of why I am an, I am an entrepreneur because I am an entrepreneur um, and so it can it can go into, other reasons as well. Uh, I do. I do really believe uh, in the power of the cold, the power of the ice. I do believe in in taking charge of our own physiology, our own health, our own wellness, and experimenting with that and doing what we find works for us and i do want to spread that to people not just you know because i want to make a bunch of money um but because i want to make a difference and uh, i want to make a difference in people's lives and i want them to understand that they are always stronger than they think they are and they are always in more control of their own destiny than they tend to believe um so i can tell that story as well
0: I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think that that is another part of the Moritzko Method is we believe that you are the story that you tell yourself, right? So if you tell yourself, life is hard, I am miserable, there is no way out, that is part of your narrative. That is the narrative that you're providing for yourself. If you tell yourself, I'm doing the best I can, I am good enough, I am smart enough, I make enough, I do enough. That puts you in a different type of mentality, um, and that goes back to the ways that we talk to ourselves, the narrative that we're treating ourselves with. Am I telling myself, um, you know, you are you are no good, you are worthless, you're not going to be able to do a good job, or am I telling myself, um, you know, good job today, way to go on this thing, like you can totally nail this like it's a conversation that we're having with ourselves. Now you brought up fact finder and you brought up, um, like what that means to us, but what does that mean to those listening that maybe aren't familiar with the Colby, Mm -hmm. uh, profile?
1: So code profiling is, um, it's, it's a, the end of the day, it's a personality uh, assessment. Uh, I think it's about 40 questions. Uh, It was invented by a developed, invented, developed um, by a woman named Kathy Colby, who is the daughter of the man who developed the Wunderlich test. Now, the Wunderlich test was a much, much older, um, um, pretty, at one time, commonly used uh, personality assessment. And so she kind of has this sort of work in the family. and so she developed this assessment that basically it, it returns you a, a numerical score, uh, for numbers uh, in four different categories. The categories are fact finder, follow through, uh, quick start and implementer. And depending on the relationship of these numbers, it tells you uh, it tells you a lot of uh, what we find very powerful and very useful and very interesting things about your innate modus operandi your preferred method of operation when you are left up to your own devices uh, what is it you prefer to do now that doesn't mean that people with different scores can't accomplish the same goals it just means they'll go about it a different way and so to break down the categories a little bit fact finder is something that you would typically associate with research like you need a lot of information uh um, follow through is uh, on a high level. It's organizational. It's it's you know, You've got your color coded tabs, your color coded pens, you've got your, your to-do lists and you cross things off. Sometimes you put a, something on your to-do list just so you can cross it off kind of thing. Uh, quick start. Uh, these are the fly by the seat of their pants. They're just they don't need a whole lot of information. They're just gonna they're just gonna pick up the ball and they're gonna go with it ask questions and figure it out along the way
0: or they're gonna pick up the burn barrel cut it in half light it on fire and see how things go
1: right uh, Innovator is uh, you can think of this as kind of hands-on this is a this is a, uh, a person who likes to operate in 3d space uh, implementer I said innovator uh, implementer is the final uh, category and this is someone who, who will work with their hands they're very much tangible they need to put their hands on something before they can understand it and so my score is a three two eight six and uh, you can kind of get a sense through those levels like where I'm where my they're not strengths they're just understandings there is no bad score to have there's only your score and what it means to you so what that means to me is that i don't need a whole lot of details um, to get started in fact i need very few details at all to get started Uh, i do need to put my hands on something if i'm really going to understand it and uh I don't have much follow through, which means I'll start a lot of projects, I'll start a lot of ideas, but I won't finish very many, hardly at all. <laughs> uh, and my, my fact finder is kind of resistant, so that just goes with the, the the kind of quick start doesn't need a whole lot of information. Now, do you want to do you want to reveal your uh, your Colby A?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I did actually on my last uh, podcast, but it is a 7544. So I am heavy on the fact finder. I want to ask eight questions to get to one simple yes or no answer. Like that's my jam. I want the information. I want things to be in order in an order. I want the knowledge. Um, And then I'm a 544, which is actually pretty middle of the road in uh, all of the other categories, which makes me very accommodating. Now, when there are times when Jason or specifically Tom gets me to quick start and implement something like, Adrian, what if you just did this right now and then I've got to do it and or, or usually, you know, it's in my best interest to do it. I can get a little uncomfortable if I'm asked to do that too frequently. Just jump right in, jump right in, jump right in. Um, but sometimes talking about it helps. Um, uh, sometimes it doesn't, you know, right now what I'm scheduling with is I'm the only one that wants to put certain things on a schedule. <laughs> and so when Jason, when I'm talking schedule, Jason's eyes just instantly glaze over. He's like, you've lost me. There's nothing here for me. <laughs> I'm not interested in these questions. Do I really have to come up with this many answers? Can't you just figure it out? <laughs> what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's been a tool that we've been using for quite a while now, um, eight nine years since i got my my colby a um done and the there's an anecdote that i that i like to tell um when i when i talk about the 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 colby stuff to people about you and i's relationship and about how um we got your um score pretty early when you and i first started dating
0: It was like three weeks or three months i know it was something very very um if it's not it was it was quick and very early on in our dating
1: the, uh, the uh, kind of illustrative example that I, I kind of came up with to kind of uh, give an overview of cognitive profiling and relationships uh, you know after we got your score about three weeks after dating is that and I think this will be related relatable to a lot of people think about like going out on a date uh, to the movies. Now, my quick start implementer score means that I just want to go to where the movie theater is. I just want to show up. I want to look at the board. I want to pick something. If it's starting in 10 minutes, then we'll go in and we'll get stacks. If it's starting in an hour and a half, then we'll go to a restaurant or something and we'll kill time. And I'm perfectly comfortable with that, and that's the way I actually prefer to, to do something like that. Now you are a little bit of the opposite. <laughs> you want to go on to moviephone.com and you want to, you know, look at what's playing and you want to like make, make a plan. You want to see what's playing at this time. What's playing at that time? What are the restaurants around there? What's on the menu? And so if we didn't know this about each other and it's not about one person like bending to, to the other's way, but knowing this about each other, prevents in those types of situations, you know, stress or or kind of friction probably prevented a lot of fights because um, there were moments where the other person was seeking for their comfortable method, method of operation that doesn't really resonate with the other person's comfortable method of operation. And it's easier to find the concessions and the compromises in those moments because you're like... Oh, you know, she's not trying to, you know, be super annoying, which is what it seems like to me. (laughs) She's actually she has a a preferred way that she likes to do this. And this is what resonates with her personality. And so uh, knowing that about each other, I think, was really, really helpful in our relationship, especially at certain pivotal times um, where we just had to kind of let the other person be who they needed to be in that moment and not not try to force them to adopt our preferred method of of operation which is something i think that humans would naturally try to try to do is you know, why doesn't everybody just do it the way i want to do it
0: and this goes back to creative problem solving creative problem solving is also part of the morozco method we remain curious we want to ask a lot of questions we want to and this is not just for the fact finder but this is to say just to remain curious like What if we tried this? What if we did this? If you remain curious, you are able to creatively problem solve in more effective ways, right? So part of what helps me when we're all operating as a team and we're trying something new is when someone says, what if we try this? I have usually some follow-up questions. Well, by the time I have the first or second question out, you already have tools in your hand and you're already doing the thing and that's fine. I get to ask my questions. You get to jump right in and do something. We're both satisfied on different levels, but that's what creative problem solving looks like. Instead of me feeling stressed out because you jumped right in and we don't know what's going to happen, I'm still just going to keep asking questions and, you know, find my information in the ways that I need it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the phrase what if is a really is a really big one. Uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of kind of key phrases and key, like, language hacks that we that we use to facilitate uh, growth and synergy and progress and all that. And what if is a big one, especially when, you know, you're trying to do something that's never been done before. Or you're trying to learn something that nobody in the room knows how to do. And we all get to these moments where we're stuck and we don't know what comes next. And, you know, we don't know what we're doing, really. And so what if is such a powerful tool to get you unstuck. And a big part of that creative problem solving is it's not, you know, what if the right thing to do is this? Well, no, just what if we do this? And so that just kind of leads you uh, cognitively and creatively as a team to that next set of either questions or actions or, you know, whatever it is that kind of moves the project along.
0: And that is one of our language hacks. We have the what if, which is very powerful because Mm -hmm. that gets you curious and you're thinking um, outside of the box. We have the will you, which is a request that you make of another person. Um, You are always allowed to make requests of other people and they're allowed to accept or decline them based on what their stress levels are, what they're capable of, the time they have in their schedule. We're obviously all very busy people, so we have to ask each other things. So we start with a what if, we have a will you, And a very powerful phrase that I'm still working on myself is I want how often do you guys speak with people and say I want this not I want this because I want this and and I know you this but I want just I want fill in the blank whatever that is I want fill in the blank and if you want to find a way to challenge your th- yourself this week, I would love to invite open that up to the weekly challenge. I want you to find a way to say, I want and fill in the blank every day. Even if it's as simple as, I want you to please pass me the tissues, or I want I want tissues that don't sparkle like the ones from Costco. I don't want sparkly tissues, but like I want. Whatever that is, I want to do a three-day fast. I want whatever it is. Find a way to challenge yourself and say, I want. And another powerful language hack that we use is we don't should ourselves. And I still do that one sometimes, too. I did it earlier in this podcast. And why wouldn't you want to should yourself, Jason?
1: Should, to me, carries... This kind of, it's a judgment, uh, and it's saying that I have an opinion about the way that I want. There's I want. I want something to be, and so instead of sitting around saying hmm. our 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 food budget should be should be whatever less more. Should be this. Should be that. Different. Saying, I want to do this. I want. I want to. This is what I want to spend our money on. This is what I want to to eat. This is what I want. See, it's kind of like it's sh- like I want is kind of like a a, a should antidote. Um, You know, we're saying, I should should have a promotion. Go to your boss and say, I want a promotion. Or I should have a raise. Go to your boss and say, I
0: want a raise. I should work out. I should work out. I want to work work out. out, So I'm going to go work out. Um, Yeah. I I should take an ice bath. No, I always want to take an ice bath. Right,
1: yeah. Should should is a judgment. Should can also be an escape. So I really should do that, you know. And when you say it like that, it's just you already know you're not fucking going to. <laughs> like, like when you're saying, you know what I you know what I really I you know really should do. I really <laughs> should call my mom I really should call my da- I really should do that's just that's you know when you're saying should that way that's you're talking about shit you're not gonna fucking do And it's already half the cop out. Yeah, it's already half the cop out. Um, and so should is an interesting one. I have not been able to fully banish the word should from I. my vocabulary. I tried. Um, I I have been able to do it with fair, though. I have not not actually seriously said the word fair in probably four or five years now.
0: And we work on that one, too. That's an active part of personal practice, but that's also an active part of business practice. Like, it's not about fair. What is it about if it's not fair? Like, how do you what is the demonstration if you're trying like i'm always trying to substitute the word fair with diplomacy it's like let's be diplomatic about it like everyone everyone gets everything they need everyone's taken care of perfectly well blah 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 that's not that's not what that looks like that's not what life is right
1: right uh and that's yeah uh that's that's um using fair in that context when it, that's, that's comparing, that's comparing, that's uh, comparing, you know, collaborations that's saying, well, you know, there's, there's, there's 10 beans in the jar and I'll get two beans and you'll get three beans because it's your jar and that's, what's fair. And so that's just, it muddies relationships. I feel, uh, especially in business. And, um, so, uh, you know, a, an antidote to that is you can say that just doesn't work for me. Like, um, you know, two beans. i am am a, I'm a three bean. Um, I'm a three bean consultant. I'm a three bean opinion. Um, and that's my valuation and it's okay if I walk away with no beans because maybe this isn't going to work out between us. Um, if you absolutely cannot spare three beans for my, my input and my effort and my valuation is three beans, well then I guess that we don't have a deal. Um, and then that ties back into another big part of our philosophy and that's being emotionally unattached to the outcome. Like, uh, we start shooting on ourselves and we start talking about like, well, it should be that way. And, and if it's not that way, it's not fair. And um, so we shouldn't do that because we we want to be fair. Which puts and you in that it's righteous mind mentality. Just, it puts you in that righteous mind mentality. It's a comparison. It's, it's, it's all full of judgment. It just muddies relationships and it stifles conversations. And so we just really use those hacks to cut right down to it.
0: I think that's really poignant, too, and that this leads me quite easily into another part of the Moritzko Method is energy. When you are allowing yourself to compromise your value, you are not giving yourself your best opportunity for the best energy. You're not, you're not allowing your relationships to carry positive energy, to carry effective and proactive energy. So I think the energy that we're putting into um, the things we should and shouldn't do, the things we want to do, the things we actually do, that's where it's at. And we talk about, and this is quite common, we believe that you are an amalgam of the five closest people to you.
1: The average, yeah, you're, you're the average. A lot of people say five, some people just say the closest mm-hmm. to you. I think I think that was like a Napoleon Hill line. It's, it pops up all over the place, but Yeah. Um, that you are the average of your closest contacts, and so here again, going with like you know, using intention and kind of designing your life. Like, don't don't think that your five closest contacts just have to be whoever the universe throws into your life. If you're not using that with an intention, it, just like with a diet, like if you're not eating with intention, you're gonna end up. You know, surrounded by garbage food. If you're not, if you're not, uh, if you're not using intention with your networks, with your social circles, with your um, business relationships, then you're not going to end up with the best people around you. You're going to end up with the people who end up around you when you're not paying attention. It's going to be a default scenario. Um, and then you'll
0: be drained of energy, and you'll, you'll be, be sucked of at your resources, and uh, you won't feel. Uplifted.
1: You'll be surrounded by people who think that things should be a different way in order for them to be fair. Um,
0: Instead of saying, I want to do this and I want this life, so I'm going to create this life.
1: Right. Or let's figure out real quick if, if we're not on this path together. If, you're, if your growth is a different direction, if your growth is down the path of should and fair, then peace be with you and on your way. Um, but let's figure that out right away. Let's not, it's not posture. Let's not let's not say what we don't mean um, you know that's another big one is aligning our 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 words with our intentions like take each other at our word because we give our word and uh, we really we hold each other accountable um, as a company as an organization as a tribe to like just say it like because you're not doing anybody any good nobody does anybody any good by not just fucking saying
0: it right there's no we, we cannot sugarcoat a, there's no time for a sugarcoat. B, let's cut through the bullshit and just say the thing that it is. C, it might be uncomfortable. It might make me uncomfortable to say it. It might make you uncomfortable to hear it or vice versa. But it's always better to just put things out on the table. And I don't think that that means that you have to be aggressive. I don't think that it means that you have to be combative. I think that you can have con- constructive conversation when you're open to hearing someone's truth. Knowing someone's truth decides for you whether or not that's the energy that you want to align with.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah. Getting back to what you were saying about, we're protective over our creative energy, and you know I, we really advocate for that. Like, and again, it's so much of this ties in together. Like when you're when you're around people who are shooting, who are this isn't fair, this isn't fair, um, you're they're drawing that energy, and that's energy that you're not directing towards somewhere else that's energy you're not directing towards better food choices or that next growth operate you know opportunity or that book that you have wanted to pick back up and keep telling yourself you really should um and so being selective about you know where the where the where your energy where your creative energy and your time is going is just it ties all into the language and also how we associate with each other because even though we're blunt and we're we're honest we're not we don't insult each other we don't no, we're not rude we don't. sometimes that's hard for me because i was a soldier and you know soldiers <laughs> fucking insult each other we talk shit like you know if, if soldier doesn't if soldiers don't like each other they shun you um if soldiers like you they insult your fucking mother and you know call you a shit bag and so yeah, but we don't josh like that and we don't judge each other um for experiments we don't judge each other for things that didn't work out i mean we've We've had some expensive oh, experiments.
0: And failure. And failure. Oh, yeah. let's talk about failure. This is a beautiful segue yeah. into the Moritzko Method's feelings of failure. Basically, we fail forward. If we're not failing, we're not trying. If you're not going out there, like, and I love to quote Emma Seeger. I will never stop quoting Emma Seeger. I'm just going to go fuck shit up. You guys, I have no idea what I'm doing, releasing this podcast, doing these things, like, you know. I, but I I do. But you do, because you do it. It's not I should do this, it's I do this. This is part of what I do. And part of what that looks like is being okay to fail, being okay to fall on my face and then get back up again, or maybe just fall on my face and be there for a while to figure it out and then get back up again. Like, failure is the only option at times. What do you learn from your mistakes versus what you learn from the thing that you did right five six seven ten a hundred times we learn so much from the things that we get wrong that they sh- do they even get to be called wrong
1: yeah that's that's interesting um I mean, we certainly don't say well that was wrong um <laughs> you know, uh, we say well, that was interesting well that was interesting <laughs> well that didn't work oh gosh but oh we learned we, we, we learned, learned this so much. And, yeah <laughs> uh it's a heuristic, and um, I, it's you know I'm not we're not saying anything new here. I can find you know a dozen memes on the internet um, that say the same thing, uh, and a few of them actually come from different points in time. And so that's when I when I pick up on a piece of like like truth or wisdom or a proverb or something, if I can find it in different generations and in different languages across like different cultures in stands, the test, it of stands time. the test of time. That's when, you know, you've got something and that's, that's one about growth through failure and learning through failure. I think it was probably, I think it, it's Thomas Edison gets attributed to it. Like i you know, I've never failed. I've only figured out a thousand ways that didn't work. And then you skip forward and it was I don't know, Napoleon Hill or Elon Musk or fuck somebody, um, was, uh, what was it, Uh, if failure's not an option, neither is success. Um, So I'm sure there's probably something to the effect in Russian and in Chinese and in, you know, there's there's, a good heuristic really spans across cultures, and that's one of them, and that's something that we do embody in our company and our culture, and we have had some expensive lessons. We've bought some expensive parts that didn't work out, and we've destroyed some you know, expensive things. And in those moments, again, tying back to (laughs) the, the emotional regulation and what kind of keeps us bound together as a tribe or at least doesn't work to pull us apart is there's no judgment in that. There's no, oh, you fucking idiot. I can't believe you spent $700 on that thing and we had it an hour and it's trash
0: And it's already broken. <laughs> and it's already
1: broken um, because you dumb fuck. You didn't know what you were doing. You weren't thinking about what you needed to do to be successful. And but me instead, even like acting out. Yeah, it feels like uncomfortable. That just feels like, uncomfortable, I have to stop you. Like, <laughs> I have to. Um,
0: instead, what we say is...
1: What did we learn? Um, you know, what is the next experiment? Uh, what can we take away from this? Uh, you know, we've, we've put a bunch of... Uh a bunch of materials out on the curb on bulk trash day that seems to have been valuable to other people in the neighborhood. They've picked it up. They've salvaged it. You know, they've, they've taken the scrap metal. They've taken the scrap compressors. They've taken the scrap copper. The scrap wood. The scrap wood. Um, and they've done hopefully something useful, at least something profitable with it. And so uh, we can tell ourselves whatever story we want about it. And I think the key is to make sure you're telling yourselves the stories that's keep your tribe bound together, not pulled apart, and to keep yourself curious and keep yourself moving forward to whatever the next lesson
0: is. Because it's all an experiment, right? We are an experiment. What we do is an experiment. Every day, if you really want to look at it that way, every day is an experiment. Let me see the ways that I can face my day today. Let me see the ways that I can learn and grow as a person today. Let me see the ways that The little changes that I made in my life have now added up to big changes. And I think that's part of it too. No one is saying, I'm not saying, go out tomorrow and be a different person. Go out tomorrow and be anything other than who you are. Be who you are. But find tiny little ways. I want to find tiny little ways to keep tweaking my life so that six months from now, a year from now, Five years from now, I'm looking back going, man, that was such a tiny little thing that I did, but overall has a great impact over time. And part of that is accepting failure. Part of that is removing my emotional response to the outcome of those situations. I'm not always good at it. That is something that I'm still working on. That's something that I just call a practice. Like anything that I do is a practice, but I'm just practicing emotional regulation as often as I can. The ice definitely helps with that. Um, But yeah, so that's that's part of it is we're not shaming each other for the experiments that we're trying. We're not shaming each other even for repeated mistakes. Sometimes we make the same mistake several times. Sometimes we make the same mistake so many times that we're really surprised when we get it right. And then maybe we'll make it again. But, hey, we got it right that one time, you know? And I think I think there's something about celebrating all of that, celebrating the entirety of what it means to struggle. And when you're not suffering from the struggle, the struggle is part of what makes it magic.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's, for me, it's also about, like, you know, working on being as present as possible. Like, if, if we're pissed off about something that's happening, um, especially in, in the context of like entrepreneurship or like craftsmanship or experimentation or whatever, like, if, if we didn't blow our fucking arm off, if nobody's dead and nobody's like injured, uh, and we're just pissed off because the widget didn't do the thing that we wanted the widget to do, then again, that's, that's something that's taking our cognitive energy out of presence. It's we're. Okay, now we're pissed off because something happened. Happened in the past. Mm-hmm. It's no longer happening, mm-hmm. and we're anxious because maybe we're worried about what is this going to mean for us in the future. Like you know, it's it, was it too expensive? Is it going to be blah 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 blah, blah blah blah? blah, blah, But we're in the moment if we're truly present and we're truly staying curious, then that's where all of the learning is in in those types of situations. That's where the learning of the failure is is in the present moment, separate from you know the past and the future.
0: I wonder how any entrepreneur in the world does this without ice baths. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear a lot of them are
1: taking starting to take them. I'm still we're like still climbing the ladder to the, Jack Dorsey. The but.
0: emotional the emotional regulation that I have gained from ice baths helps every day in the challenges that I face being an entrepreneur. Every single day my schedule is subject to change and, and usually does. Every single day, my task list grows bigger than it gets checked off. Every single day, I'm going through things that if I were not also coupling this with a a deliberate cold exposure practice, I would not be having as much fun, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And it would definitely, things would be more difficult. And I'm starting to see that in cultures where we have provided uh provided cold forges in places where there's an office environment and people on the team can you know partake in an afternoon ice bath i mean have your cup of coffee have your afternoon ice bath do both but if you're only going to do one do an afternoon ice bath it takes two minutes you drink it faster than coffee leaves you feeling great for hours but starting to see this in cultures that are more than just um health and wellness and fitness it's starting to represent across cultures of businesses and partnerships and people who are in offices throughout the day and then can take that afternoon and you don't even have to you know maybe the weather's bad and you can't go outside take a nice bath Mm -hmm. you've got two minutes and it'll totally refresh you for the rest of your day absolutely and I think that's another beautiful part of the Moritzko method it's it's part of what creates our culture it's part of what keeps our team sane it's part of what keeps us curious and that's it, you guys. That's the Moritzko Method. Jason, would you like to add anything else this evening?
1: Yeah, especially with the, with the language. Um, even if you don't feel it, like, pick up the phrases. Learn the phrases. Find opportunity to use the phrases. Language is a technology. Uh, and we can, like any other technology, we, we choose or don't choose how to use it. Uh, and like any other technology, how we use it um, produces different results. So, uh, even if you're uncomfortable with, with, you know, using some of the phrases, just give them a try, uh, you know, push the button, see, see where that leads you. And, um, understand that just like our food choices, our, our word choices can be used with intention to foster our growth, our health and our wellness, wellness.
0: I think that's excellent. I really thank you for your contribution this evening and for sharing your vulnerability and your authenticity. So thank you for being a part of that. And it's true. If you can change your language, you can change your life. You may not feel it yet, but just start by acting as if. Start by saying the words because when you start to change your language, you start to change the way that you speak to yourself and to others around you. And remember, when you can master your breath through the cold, you can master your mind through your life. So you can find me at... at Adrian Je- Jezek on Instagram. You can find me at Adrian Jezek on Facebook, The Morotsko Method on Facebook, Morotsko Forge on Facebook, at Morotsko Forge on Instagram, and www.morotskoforge.com. Thanks once again. Stay cold, cold friends.